0: Use the code BBQNation at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. Welcome to Barbecue Nation with JT's After Hours. Conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, welcome to After Hours. I'm JT here on the Barbecue Nation radio network, and we've got Bridget Benz with us. I hope you enjoyed the regular show with Bridget. She's a kick, and she knows what she's talking about. Um, And if you need uh, a cookbook author, Give her a call. You know, she might have available, available time for you here. I was trying to make the joke and I hacked it up already. Um, <laughs> in the next 35 years, she might be able to get to your book. So anyway, um, Brid- Bridget, welcome to After Hours. So one thing we didn't talk about in the show, and I'm sorry I missed it, but I wanted to talk about your 48 hour pizza dough. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: It's I'm going to give you a little correlating story. It's not the same, I get it, but my my daughter has gotten into baking and she and she's quite good at it. She's in her mid 20s and of course she's been hanging around studio sets and stuff with me for years. So she's and I am not the world's greatest baker. I I fully admit it. That's not my that's not my bailiwick, you know, so to speak. I can do it and the food's fine. It just doesn't have that panache or pizzazz that people that are really into baking okay so she asked me about sourdough starter and i showed her how to do it and she went home and she called me the next day and she said dad this thing has taken over my kitchen it's got a life of its own and it 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 got she was texting me pictures and stuff and of course you know if you've worked with sourdough it's uh can get out of hand very easily if you're not paying attention. So um, that has no correlation to your 48-hour dough other than the fact it's a fun story. So um, did you create this recipe yourself, or is this something you came up with when you were working in Europe? Uh, Or how did you do this?
1: Well, when I was in Europe, I, I lived in Spain. The bread there was so terrible. It was rock hard by midday um didn't have any salt in it. So I created a sourdough starter based on Alice Waters one of her books that where you fermented potatoes. Okay. And then you created your starter. And I kept it alive for about the, the full almost three years that I lived there by feeding it as you do, as you all the sourdough aficionados and your daughter now understands. Uh, there were times where it got away and started climbing down the counter onto the floor and stuff like
0: that. <laughs> yeah. But
1: when I when I set out to develop my 48 hour pizza dough, I wanted it to be a sourdough because I like the flavor, the tangy flavor. Sure. But I did not want to go through the agony of feeding and nurturing a sourdough starter again. I wasn't willing to take on that responsibility because what happens is that sometimes you kill it by accident, and then you have to deal with the guilt of having killed your starter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not dependable. Um, uh, you know, it's, very, it's variable. And if you want the same results every single time, I like to create what's known in certain cultures as a sponge or a bega. Um, so basically, I am starting with a teeny weeny weeny amount of commercial yeast instead of a sourdough starter, and then letting it ferment. It is a cold fermented dough, if you're familiar with all that geeky pizza dough right. stuff. And I get, it it can also, you can take it out to 72 hours with zero problems. It's, in fact, better. It's tangier at 72 hours. After that, it starts to give up the ghost and fall down flat and, you know, look spineless. But uh, I 48 to 72 hours, you get tangy flavor. You get that kind of translucent crust. You can almost see through it right. because the flour has kind of denatured and been digested somewhat by the sugars in the yeast. And I I developed it through research. Actually, the guy, I think he's from Portland, Flour, Water, Salt, Yeast. Do you know about him? No. I can't think of his name right now, but he wrote a really important book called flour, water, salt, yeast. And I use him for inspiration, but he was way too technological for me. So I simplified that down and came up with that recipe.
0: Um, I'm going to be making that this weekend. I'm just going to tell you that. Usually people will hear me on this show say, yeah, I'm going to go out and do a rack of ribs or, you know, I've got some tri tips or whatever. I'm I'm making that pizza dough this weekend. Um,
1: You're gonna be wanting to call and thank me.
0: I will. I, I I will. Now that I've got your phone number and your email and stuff, I'll be I'll be sending you pictures. Probably is this right? Am I doing oh, this right? You know that type of thing.
1: Good, goody goody.
0: Yeah, uh, because I actually happen to love, I guess in um, our lingo today, it would be thin crust pizzas. Um, Mm -hmm. like you were talking about translucent. One of the things with commercial pizzas is they've got this big blob of dough there with not much flavor in it. And it's about an inch and a half thick. And so, you know, that's kind of one of my beefs, but anyway, that's just me.
1: Um, that sounds dreadful. There's one little trick that I learned from a chef in Southern California. And that is to, you know how, when you use regular flour to shape your pizza dough, right? It, they always tell you not to use too much because you don't want it to get all powdery and too dry and stuff like that. So you use the, the flour that you're going to use, hopefully you'll use some percentage of double zero flour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you're forming the dough, when you're stretching it and tossing it around, I use rice flour instead yeah, of I saw regular that. all-purpose flour. Yeah, I saw that. And people ask me, I learned it from the chef, because it does not stick. It falls off of the edge, so now you don't have that powdery, dry look um, texture to the corniche, the the rim of yeah. your pizza pie. It just falls off in the oven and then burns up on the on the bottom of the oven. So that's why it's so translucent.
0: Bridget, is there anything that you won't put on a pizza? And I'm not being smart. I'm just saying from all your experience and looking at your recipes. And that's, we talked about that in the regular show, and I was very impressed with that because I love the creativity of it. But is there anything that, you know, you said that the magazine people didn't want to squid on there, but yet they went for calamari. That made me scratch my head a little bit. But um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, were you going to put the whole squid on there? Um
1: it was I, the same thing. No, I know. A little, cut them into little rings and tentacles. It's really cute.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm i down with it. And I love calamari. I, I love squid. But I I just was like, huh, I wonder if somebody was having a bad day. Anyway, um, but is there anything that you've tried that you would recommend not to put on, you know?
1: Well, the first thing I would recommend is don't put too much on there because people are always over topping their pizza and then they wonder why it sticks to the floor of the oven or it collapses or you've got to use a really, really light hand with the topping. The crust should be the star. If you make a really good crust, then that should be uh, number one attraction. Um, I, I, I cannot see any possibility of putting pineapple on there ever. That's. That's a no-go for me. So, But number one is don't put too much. It's really only an, an ounce and a half to two ounces of, say, three different things. Right. One of them being cheese, one of them being meat, and one of them being some fabulous vegetable like grilled zucchini or something like that. And I, I almost never use tomato sauce. If I want the presence of tomatoes on my pizza, which I often do, I would do a slice, a thinly sliced tomato, or even better, take a bunch of cherry tomatoes, cut them in half, and roast them until they're sort of squishy, you know? Right. Still a little bit juicy, but not totally dried out. But their flavor is nice and concentrated, and they are now a bit dry. And they are fantastic on a pizza.
0: I know that you... In fact, I'm going to pull up my notes here because... Meathead smokes some cherry tomatoes and you slow roast your cherry plum tomatoes. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the difference? Is there any difference?
1: Uh, I do. I tend to do mine in the home oven so they don't get smoky. Yeah, But I would be just as happy doing them outside and giving them a little bit of smoke flavor. Either way, they're going to be fantastic. Smoky is better.
0: Yeah, he well he pokes holes in them and smokes them until they kind of turn into a a raisin looking thing. You know, not quite a sun-dried look, but and they're quite good. I've done it and and they're really good. But I like tomatoes, so there's very few things you can do to a tomato oh. that I won't eat unless it's my great aunt's aspect salad and then I never liked that since I was 4. But um <laughs> you know She made that stuff every holiday that we went to her house and nobody ate it. So anyway, I
1: have have a long and frightening history with aspic, So I I feel your pain. (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, if you want to, if people don't know what it is, just look up uh, gelatinized blood. And then, you know, that'll give you an idea of what we're talking about there so as, it's
1: basically jello i mean yeah. it's not as jello
0: yeah it is but it was <laughs> ghastly as you put something <laughs> anyway um here's some fun stuff let's do this um if we put your life to music what would it be
1: girls just want to have fun
0: excellent excellent uh what's the worst speaking of that what's the worst concert you ever went to um uh,
1: I guess Creedence Clearwater
0: in San Bernardino. Out there at uh out there at riverside, a track out there? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I survived some of those. Um <laughs> a little foggy, but uh yeah, I survived those.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um is there is there any do you have a least least favorite food you cook or cook in your oven?
1: You know, I used to, well, I still hate okra. I cannot stand okra. It's slimy and weird, and I don't see the point of it. But I used to have something against squash, and then I got a book from William sonoma called Cooking in Season, and they gave me a bunch of recipe titles, as they often do, and it was all full of squash. I'm like, wait, what's what's the squash? You guys are obsessed with squash. And by the time I finished the book, I was obsessed with squash too. So that just shows how you can turn yourself around.
0: You can, you can, um, do you remember, or do you have a memory of the worst place you ever cooked? (laughs)
1: Um, the worst place or the worst thing?
0: Uh, either one. I don't care.
1: I mean, my, my least, Successful thing I ever did was a rotisserie fish
0: that fall or, off,
1: yes, because <laughs> the rotisserie had a little glitch in the top of it, yeah, and so every time it went around, it would kind of go, and that after the fish got tender, you just resulted in a completely naked skeleton of a fish turning around because all of the nice, tender flesh had fallen off into
0: the fire yeah there you go that works jeez Uh, um would what would you say is your success to failure ratio in when you're working on a new recipe so do you have to do something 20 times to get it perfect or five or first time whatever it is
1: It should be the first time. At this point in my career, it should be the first time because I've written thousands and thousands and thousands of recipes. Yeah. And I have a database with all of them. And so if I am tasked with writing writing a certain recipe, I go back and look at all of the things I've done before and extrapolate them out into the new recipe. And then I put little questions in there, which can be answered on the fly, like, is this too much paprika or you know, stuff like that, and sure. I answer it as I test. So the finished recipe comes out different than the one I started with, but if I have to do it a second time, I feel that I have failed. So um, sometimes I do. It certainly happens. And there was one, one time for the Tavern on the Green cookbook that I had to do it five times to get it right. But that's really rare.
0: Well, you're light years away from or ahead of most people that – And I commend people for experimenting. I really do. But I think when you've got your database, like you said, and you've got years of experience, you know, that that always helps. But I never tried to rotisserie a fish because.
1: Yeah. I had it wrapped in nasturtium leaves and and twine and stuff like that, but it it just, it didn't help. It it was the glitch in the rotisserie that was at fault. Sure. (laughs) Not me.
0: No, I got it. I got it. What's your uh, favorite hobby or thing you do away from food?
1: I like to garden, but I also like to ride horses, which I know is your, is your, I don't get to ride as much as I used to, but I did out in Zion just a couple of weeks ago and it, it just really made me very, very happy. But other than that, I'm kind of a gardener.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I don't have a lot of success with gardens, um, because I forget to water them, but, um, you know, I give it the old college try, so to speak, uh, you know, few things, tomatoes, I'm good with, uh, you know, herbs I'm good with, uh, onions. I do pretty good, you know, things like that. But when I get mm-hmm. into anything that actually requires paying attention, um, um, then it, I have some issues. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I have some issues doing that. Um,
1: well, I, yeah.
0: Go, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Um, ahead. i was just going to say my I have a succulent garden now, and they are much more forgiving than tomatoes and, and other things yeah. that need lots and lots of water. So I'm very happy with my succulents. I feel like Miss Ellie in Dallas. You know, I'm always <laughs> sort of puttering around with my succulents
0: okay miss ellie um if i made you the supreme ruler the omnipotent being over all cooking what would you for you you just get that title for a day you don't get to keep it (laughs) but what would you decree well do i only
1: get one decree
0: i'll give you two use a meat
1: thermometer no, I need three. Use your senses and don't tap the goddamn dough when you're shaping it.
0: <laughs> you can have three. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best answers I've had uh, on the show. The other one ranks right up there is, and I can, I can say this now because we're not on live radio, but uh I was talking to him interviewing Myron Mixon one day and he said, Well you gotta know every reality show is just a bunch of bullshit.
1: <laughs> <He> just,
0: <laughs> I thought, oh, okay, all right, we'll leave that in. <laughs>
1: yeah. no that's yeah, well, that's it's, it's speaking truth.
0: Yep, that is. That is. Um okay, here's a choice for you. Captain and Tennille the Almond brothers Justin Bieber or Dire Straits. This is going to tell us a lot about you.
1: The Almond Brothers.
0: There you go. That's my girl. I love that. <laughs> um, did you ever cook in a thunderstorm?
1: Oh, gosh, I'm sure I have. Yeah. Um. I don't have any specific memories of it, but during those years in upstate New York, I'm sure I did.
0: Probably. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you this. I already asked her this question off the air, which is some of your favorites out there. I know because I get emails about it. But I asked Bridget if she ever went outside and cooked in her underwear. And she said, well, yeah, all the time, but I've got clothes on over top of it. That's the I've been looking for that answer for like six years. So <laughs> I,
1: I, I can't believe nobody has ever said that before.
0: No. And then, but then when I say, cause then I f- do a follow up, I say boxers are briefs. I didn't ask you that one, but you don't have to answer that one, but, um, you know, it, it just took you. That's all I can say.
1: I, I, I have to say I find boxers get a little bit bunchy under my game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah uh i'll i'll just uh let it go with that um <laughs> sweat sweatshirts or formal wear
1: neither
0: there you go i've seen I enough pictures of you uh, you 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 dress very nicely but it's pretty california cash too at times
1: it is California cats, yes, but I was I was very affected by my travels in Southeast Asia in college time, and so I wear sarongs a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all good. Do you prefer uh, finished or grass-fed beef?
1: I um, do not care for 100% grass-fed beef. Yep. I prefer that it be finished on rain.
0: Yeah, good girl good girl that's the old that's the old cowboy in me um uh, because when people will ask me that if they see me in public or if I'm doing something they'll say you know grass fed i said all beef is grass fed you know it's yeah. it's kind of like cooking in your underwear you might have clothes on top of it but you know you're there so um <laughs> if last question if you could work with one of your heroes who would it be
1: You know, I I absolutely adore Jeremiah Tower. Mm -hmm. And I met him at a book conference and he actually blurbed one of my books to my great excitement. But we've never had the chance to work together. I would love to be able to do that. He's so funny and so well-traveled and such an amazing coach.
0: Well, there you go. Now, I am going to cheat and ask you one more. If you could have dinner with uh, one or two historical figures. Who would it be? You don't have to cook. They're just gonna sit and talk to them and have dinner.
1: Hemingway and Hugh Grant.
0: Really? Hmm. I like that. I like that.
1: Because Hemingway would, I could maybe get him to make an authentic daiquiri for me, and then with Hugh Grant, I could just sit and look at him.
0: I see. Okay. So, not too much conversation, just kind of a stare fest. Right. <laughs> I always remember when Hugh Grant went and got caught in that thing in Hollywood with the professional gal and he went on yeah. Jay Leno and Jay Leno looked at him. The first thing he said is, What in the hell were you thinking?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, oh, but that was a long time ago. That was a long time it ago. It
1: was. He's, he's actually matured very nicely. I oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I spent enough time in Tinseltown to, See people's behaviors augment from (laughs) social norms. How's that for a statement? (laughs)
1: That was very diplomatic.
0: Yeah, it was, Uh, Bridget. It's really been fun. Uh, Don't hang up because we're almost done. But it's really been fun to talk to you. And uh, I definitely, I
1: had a wonderful time.
0: Well, thank you. I'd love to have you back on the show. Maybe we can get a uh, a conference thing with you and me, Meathead. But you, I guarantee you, you and I won't do much talking. So
1: <laughs> talking about phoning it
0: in. Yeah. Well, you know, usually when Meathead's on the show and I love the guy to death I really do, but I'll I'll say Meathead, how's it going today? And he'll say good, you know, it's great in Chicago and all this and then I'll say, "Well, what about this?" And then I just sit back and watch the clock till we got to go to break. You know, and so I
1: just have to- Share one little meathead story with you um, before we go. That when we were working on his book in the last couple of years, we were working remotely, of course, most of the time. But then he really wanted to come out and work on the cocktail chapter out here in California with me um, and my husband. And he brought his wife. And we spent an entire week in February creating the cocktail chapter with smoked ice and smoked citrus and grilled limes and smoked cedar boards for getting the inside. We had the best time. It was just absolutely hilarious, fun, and um, yielded some great recipes.
0: Oh, I'm sure it did. And I would have loved to have been a mouse in the corner on that deal because uh, (laughs) he and I just have a blast when we're on the air together. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I will make it to Chicago, and um, we like to exchange ideas and stuff afterwards so it's all good um we'll
1: Brid- ask about the smoked cocktails next time
0: i will i will and i know what he will say well i won't repeat it but i'll know what he'll say but it'll say we got a great book out of it so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep
0: bridget thank you and stay on the line with me just a minute that's it folks for yep. after hours with bridget Benz this week we'll be back next week with another edition of after hours from barbecue nation and we thank you for listening and take care everybody.